Good morning. How is everyone today? Have you come to bless the Lord? Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord? Lord, we lift you up in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you. You give me joy. And you give me life. You give me strength to stand in the what I see, showing the world how to worship a King. Lord, I give you thanks, and God, I give you praise. I give you a life that shows I'm living, like a child who bears your name. And now with every day, let my Like a child who bears your name Now with every 
church. He is worthy of our praise today. We magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's sing to the Lord together, church. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Oh, let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise, let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. Oh, we sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise, let praise arise. Oh, we'll see. defeated you're not praising at all praise is victory praise is faith in victory so we've already won 
So we praise victoriously. Let's sing that again. And let faith be the song that overcomes the raging sea. Oh, let faith be the song that calms the storm inside of me. Let it rise. Let faith arise. Let it rise. Let's sing to him. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lives in high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you and this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry. God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, 
is worthy today. We bless you, O oh Lord. We magnify the Lord, church. Glorify Him. He is worthy. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship the Lord, church.
He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed. Thank you, Lord. The harder most when I think about the Lord and how He picked me up. Yes, He turned me around. How He placed my feet. Yes, He did on solid ground. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Can somebody give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. God, today we've come to lift you up. That's what it's about, isn't it? We've come to lift up the name of Jesus. He alone is worthy. And He alone will be glorified in this house today. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the congregation. It's about Jesus Christ. And today, I want you to celebrate with me the name of Jesus Christ. Today is one of those sermons that I feel like I need about two goes to get this one finished. But I am going to try my best, alright? I am going to try my absolute best to get this finished in one service. Will y'all just help me do that? That's by saying amen and stuff like that. It'll just get me going. Alright. If you have your Bibles, let's put it up in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it's a familiar one, you've heard it many times. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If I, if I could title this today, I'm going to preach, teach, shout on take it to the streets. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all ready for this word? I, I'm, it, it's in me, so I've got to get it out. <clears throat> in short, after you receive God's Spirit, according to the Bible, you will witness everywhere that you go. If you want to see an example of a life that is full of the Holy Spirit of God, it is a person that goes out and everywhere they go, 
They are telling somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the testimony and the evidence of a spirit-filled life and a spirit-filled believer. The whole key to the book of Acts is taking the gospel to where people really are. The book of Acts is a vivid betrayal of taking the gospel to the streets. The gospels show us the life of Jesus Christ. But Acts, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can read about the life of Jesus. But then you find in the book of Acts, you find the Christians that are actually living out the teachings of Jesus Christ. The gospels deliver to us the great commission of Jesus Christ. But Acts actually did something with the great commission and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that they had received. Somebody needs to understand today. That when you say you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, there is a lot more to being baptized with the Holy Spirit than speaking in tongues. There is a lot more to being filled with the Spirit than just trying to, you know, show off and praise God. Everybody look at me. When you are filled with the Spirit, it will absolutely change your life and it will change everybody that you come in contact with. There are several things that I want you to see in Acts and it shows us how to evangelize people. Now when you look at the word evangelize, it simply means this. Seek to convert someone to Christianity. When was the last time we did that? Hey, let me tell you. Islams are doing it. Muslims are doing it. You think about on 9-11 whenever our twin tires were attacked. The one thing that was amazing to me was that radical Islamists had come into our country on our soul. And they had gotten some of our young men all right, that were born and bred in the United States of America. And they raised them up and converted them to a radical Islam to where they were willing to die for Allah. Y'all remember that? Seeing that on the news, you remember? The kid that was a Nazi and all this kind of stuff, they converted them to their belief system, to their religion. You look at Jehovah's Witness and Mormons, they do it all the time. They knock on doors and aggravate people until finally those people decide, you know what, I'm going to take your literature today. They work until somebody is converted to their faith. It is imperative, ladies and gentlemen, that if we are the evangelical Christian church, that we do the same thing. It is important that we get converts too. So when we read the book of Acts, it teaches us to evangelize. It also also teaches us how to establish churches. Personal evangelism will grow this church. I said personal evangelism will grow this church. And I'm going to preach this in just a few moments as I build my points here. But I want you to understand that the best way that you can grow a church, it is not by a preacher that can preach good. Somebody ought to shout amen. It is not a preacher that can preach good. It is not somebody that can sing well. It is not just because we've got drums going and a bass kicking that grows the church. What grows the church more than everybody pay attention. They're just trying to sit them. It's fine. It's fine. We used to shout while preachers preach all the time. Just stay on me. Stay on me. If we want to grow a church, we have to have personal evangelism. Please understand with me. That personal evangelism is when you invite somebody to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to your church. A matter of fact, they have told us that 80% of the people that come to Jesus Christ, 80% of them are because somebody invited them to come to a church. 
It was not because they heard it was a good preacher. They came because somebody told them, you ought to come to this church with me. It is important that we learn to establish the church. It is also important that we extend the church to the unreached. A matter of fact, the definition of extend means to cover a larger area. To make it longer or wider. We need to extend our spiritual borders to reach the loss. We need to reach out to the Gap Hill community. And not only our community, but beyond. Do you know that we have a lot of people from all over the place in this church today? I mean, we have people today that are from Salem. We have some people that came all the way from Easley. We have people that are in Six Mile. But you know, a lot of our church, and we have some that go to Six Mile, but a lot of us, a lot of you are from different areas than Six Mile. But you're coming to this church. So that shows me that our community is reaching out beyond just a six-mile community. That is what God has called the church to do. It is the book of Acts that challenges us to get rid of a four-walls religion where it's just contained inside of here. That is not what the church has been called to do. The principles apply in any generation of any time. We see the fulfillment of Jesus Christ that was given in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I tell somebody today that the church is not dead. The church is not fragile. The church is still a living entity of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So for anyone that would want to tell you that the church is done, that our best days are behind you, I want to tell you today they are not. To every believer that will evangelize somebody that does not know Jesus, the church can still thrive. The church can still walk in the anointing. The church can still be blessed. If we learn to take it to the streets. I want y'all, so, so there's a word I want to say here. G-O. Go. 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 Are you ready? Let, let's go to Matthew. I want to show you this. This is Acts is a fulfillment of this verse right here. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, somebody say it. Go. That's your job. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. If you want to know, listen, I know some churches, they got some cool mission statements. You know what I'm saying? They'd be like, what's your mission statement? They got some cool, fancy stuff to attract people. This is the mission of every church. Every Presbyterian, Baptist church, Pentecostal church, Church of God, Church of God of Prophecy. This is the mission of every church. So if you want a mission statement today, I'm going to give you one. It's Matthew 28, 19. And he said, therefore, you go. See, see, watch with me. The Great Commission is our mission. It is not the great suggestion. It is not a wish that God gave us that we would do it as the church. It was a command that God gave at the ascension in Matthew to those that would become the first established church. So our failure to obey the Great Commission results in what I would like to call the Great Omission. The first word of this great task that Jesus gave was Go. The first, this is so interesting. The first two letters of the word gospel that we preach is what? Go. The one that we call the creator of all things, his name's God. The first two letters are 
So evidently God thought it was so important that he said not only is the God that created the world going to have go in it, but when I tell them to carry the gospel, it's going to be right in front of them. So every time you open your Bible and you see the word gospel, you should see the word go. Every time in the beginning God, you should see go. It is the mission of the church. It is God speaking to us from Genesis to Revelation. He wants us to see that we must go if we expect to evangelize the lost world. We must. Go. If we will ever establish our churches. Sitting on a pew and waiting for Jesus to come back. Is not fulfilling the great commission of Christ. I'm going to say it again. I said sitting on a church pew until Jesus comes. Is not us fulfilling the great commission. T.F. Teeny said it this way. He said to one person and I quote. He said which part of the word go don't you understand. I mean, if I'm like, if I told my son, hey son, go get me some water. And he just sits there and stares at me. What part of go don't you understand? It's simple. We all know what go means. And this thing stuck. I can tell you that right now. The word go simply means go. There's no other definition. We just know that it means to spring into action. To do something. To not just lay there stagnant. We must go. We, we are to extend, according to this verse, we are to extend the whole gospel to the whole world. This is the task of every church. It is not the preacher's job alone to grow a church. It is the responsibility of everyone that calls himself a born again believer. It is our responsibility. Not Take away all our titles. Take away music pastors. Take away lead pastors. Take away all of that. And let's just use the word Christian. It is the job of every Christian in this building to spread the good news and to win people for the kingdom of God. There are two major activities that go on in this verse. The first one is going. The second one is making disciples. So we are to replicate Jesus. Now when you replicate something, that means you repeat or you copy it. It's like a cookie cutter religion. You understand what I'm saying? So whenever you win people to Jesus Christ. What you want to do. First off you want to look like Jesus. Because if you don't look like Jesus. And you don't act like Jesus. Then how in the world are you going to reach the world for Jesus? So once I look like Jesus, it is my goal to find somebody that I can win to the kingdom of God. And once I do that, I get them in the church. And then guess what? They win somebody to the kingdom of God. And then they look like Jesus. And then they, are y'all following me? They find somebody and they win them for Jesus. And then it goes on and on. We simply repeat and copy. We are going and making disciples. Now, I want to show you something really, really quick. The principle of the harvest is something very interesting. Psalm 126 and verse 6. He said, they weep. This is a very interesting verse. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Did y'all hear that? They weep as they go out to plant their seed. So we sow seeds of righteousness into the lives of other people. That is all we can do. That's all you can do. Listen, if I could make people come to church, all right, we'd have the overflow in the gym packed today and this church packed. If I could force people to come to church, I'd put them on my shoulder, throw them in the back of my car. That's right. We'd have a ministry, a pickup service like no other church in the community if I could just make them do it. But what I've learned in my life is that I can't make anybody do anything. 
I can suggest, I can request, but I can't make you. And so what I'm learning from this scripture is God is telling us, all you can do is tell somebody about Jesus. That is your job. Your job is not to pull them to a church and throw them on the altar, cut their long hair if they're a man, and, and get them all the way you want them to look and say, alright, now you can be a Christian. That's not what God called you to do. God called me and God called you to simply speak into their lives. And every time that I speak Jesus into somebody's lives, what I have just done, I have thrown seeds of righteousness. We weep on our way out. This is what gets me right here. That means this person has just sowed the seed, is literally crying and praying for the salvation of the souls that he has just sown into. Can I ask you a question? Have we got a burden for the lost anymore? Hallelujah. Now today's not a shouting sermon. I know we're not going <clears> to <throat> run and try to, you know, swing from the speakers, I guess I could say. We're not going to do that day. But I want us to leave this place being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's some sermons that I have heard that have changed my life forever. There are some books that I have read that changed my view forever. I'm telling you the truth. I want this to be one of those words today that when you walk out those doors, you will say, my God, I've never thought about it that way. God, would you change me? That is my desire today. Do we cry and weep anymore for the lost? Do we cry anymore for our children that are going to hell? For our friends that are going to hell? For your spouse that is going to hell? Do you ever cry anymore? Let me go a little further. Do we weep for the person that we just met that's without Jesus Christ? Do we cry for them? Do we weep for them? Oh God, give us a burden. Give us a burden, Lord. But the law of the harvest says something to us that's very important. It says this, we come back rejoicing or we come back singing. Why do we come back singing? Why do we come back rejoicing after we've sown the seed? This is what he said. Because God is going to give you a harvest of souls from the seeds that you have sown. Somebody ought to give God praise right now. Listen to me. My daddy planted acres of gardens. This is, I am not lying to you. My dad probably planted at least five acres every single year. And I promise you this. That I helped plant those seeds. And there were some of those seeds that did not grow. Alright? They didn't. They fell by the wayside. It's every farmer can tell you that. But the good thing, cut it back, sister. The good thing that I can tell you today, let me, let me fix that, I'm sorry, let's, let's cut it back. The one thing that I can tell you today is simply this, that even though some of them did not grow, there were some of them that did. And I need somebody to understand that there are some people that you are going to speak into their life. There are some people that you're going to try to win to Jesus. They are not coming to church. They are not going to give their life to Christ. They have made up their mind before you even talk to them that they're not going to change it. Do you hear what I'm telling you? But let me tell you, there's some of them that will. So that is why the person that goes out and plants and sows the seed is excited when he comes back. He's not going to sit there and lose sleep because there's those that are going to reject and be apostate and not listen to the gospel because they're in the world today. Their hearts have been hardened. But I'm telling you, he's rejoicing because one soul came to Jesus Christ. My God, you ought to celebrate when you help bring somebody to Jesus. Listen, me, my father, we literally fed the community. We literally fed the community 
So what's the point of the story? The point of the story is this. Don't give up, child of God. You keep on sowing seeds because God is going to accelerate the harvest for His glory and His glory alone. Now real quick, I want you to look at the focus of the gospel. The focus of the gospel is to be outward towards a lost world. We come to church to fellowship. We come to church to worship God. However, we cannot become so inwardly focused by placing all of our attention on the inside of the church. This is what I meant earlier when I called it four walls religion. We come to church to worship, but we leave the church to witness. Did y'all hear that? We come, we worship, we leave to witness. Once you walk out of those doors today of the local assembly, we are walking into a mission field like we've never known before. It is here that we're going to meet an unbeliever where they are going to feel comfortable and, uh, and on their own grounds, on their own turf, so to speak. We cannot, listen to me, according to the Great Commission, we cannot expect the sinners to come to the gospel. We must take the gospel to where the sinners are. See, a lot of traditional churches, we've never grabbed it. We've never really grasped a hold to, you know, when we talk about smaller connect groups. I've pastored churches that when you use the term connect or small groups or whatever you want to call it, they cringe. And I've heard people say, well, those don't work anymore. Those don't work anymore. We tried that. It don't work. I'm just going to go here while I'm already here, all right? One of the reasons that the small group didn't work was because it was built around the four walls religion. I'm going to say it again. The reason that the connect, small group, whatever you want to call it. Like I've known churches that we're going to have connect groups. And they come and sit in their same Sunday school classes. That's all they do. But I've known others that have said we're going to meet at a restaurant. And we're going to have a devotion together. And we're going to eat a meal together. And we're going to fellowship. And we're going to talk to you. I've known some that have went on four-wheeler rides together. Just a group that wanted to get together. The guys. And somebody come in that group. And they meet the pastor. Or they meet somebody that's there. And they connect with them. And they like them. And guess what that person decides to do next Sunday morning? They decide to come to church. Because according to our culture, the majority of people are not just going to walk in a church because they passed by it and said, I just wanted to come see what was going on on the inside. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. The reason people are going to come to church to this church is because they connected with you. And that is why 80% of our friends tell us that the only reason I came to church today was because one of my friends in that church invited me to come to that church. Isn't that amazing? In a recent survey that 80 to 85% of people said, if my friend would invite me to their church, I would go. That's powerful, folks. The point is a sinner is more likely to meet me at a restaurant than they are to come to a church. They're more likely to meet me in another place at some event than they are to come to the church. That is why God told us our mission is not just to get them in the church. Our mission is go, go, go. And then they will come. See, we've lost that point of the truth. The Word of God, as many truths as it has, cannot be hid under a bushel. The Bible said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We have been commanded. We are, Matthew 5, 15, we are a city that is set on a hill. It is a light that cannot be hid. 2 Corinthians 4, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, that means if you never let anybody see it, you never talk about it, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. They're the ones that need to hear it. 
Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. That's the sinner. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about Christ. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. The point is obvious. The devil does not want our light shining on the world lest those people believe in Jesus Christ. They No wonder they used to make me sing every Sunday morning. Us kids would line up. Anybody remember those days you line up and the kids sing? And every Sunday they'd line me up. And every Sunday it was like we sing that song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And then we do this song. Under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it Won't let Satan blow it out. I can't sing that during Corona. You know what? Anyhow, you miss that. Not going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. And then all these. And, and, I, and I'm beginning to get the picture. The reason they wanted me to learn that as a kid is because this. If you got a light and you hide it, it is absolutely useless to a world that needs to see it. So what I'm trying to tell somebody today, if you are the church of Jesus Christ and you are the only light that somebody's going to see, then guess what? As long as your light is hidden behind a veil, you are not helping those that are perishing. I'm telling you, quit hiding it under a bushel. Quit trying to be all reserved around your work. If they ask if you believe in Jesus, you ought to proudly say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian and I believe he's coming back. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, it is time for the light. To shine. Oh, God, help me today. Praise God, hallelujah. And please allow me to point out that when we witness to people, I got to say this, we must focus on the gospel and not on the person. If we focus on the person, then our fleshly side, I have been here, I have done this then our fleshly side will end up judging them instead of reaching them for Jesus. It has been said that traditional churches, that we have, we have developed a culture within ourselves that we pretty much want people that look like us. We want people that act like us. Jesus, help Jimmy today. Y'all going to be talking about, can we vote on that pastor again? My God. By the time I get finished today, help me, Jesus. Can we just get one more chance, one more shot at it? This is why Paul said these words. He said, we have determined to preach nothing to you but Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you look like. None of that is, my God, all that matters is that we lift up the name of Jesus. Be careful when you get ready to invite somebody that you don't allow your flesh to get in the way. Because they look different than you. Listen to me. I've seen some people on the side of the street that I grab my kids and hold their hand tightly. I know a preacher on Facebook, his name's Todd White, and uh, old Todd, uh, God uses him greatly. He's got dreadlocks, and, and I mean just, just a pile of dreadlocks, and uh, tattoos all over him, but this guy's just, he's really, really good. He, he's just an anointed speaker. And what's amazing about Todd White is he looks so much different that you would be like, huh, what's this guy doing? And he's a pastor of a church, it's, it's just interesting. But this guy has such a unique ministry because you see him so often on the sidewalks and the streets witnessing to people that are homeless, that look filthy, that look dirty. But yet that is what he has built his entire ministry around is reaching people that don't look like they fit in our churches. God help me. God help us that we would get back to the place and say whosoever will, let them come, let them come.
So, so after Pentecost, what? I've got to hurry. In Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit takes place. Immediately we see Peter standing with the eleven. He's preaching this powerful Pentecostal sermon. Hungry people are convicted. They're converted. And can I tell you, there's still a group of people that are hungry for a genuine move of the Holy Ghost. I just want to add that because the church was born in fire and the smoke will not do. Somebody ought to say amen, but I'm not going to preach that. So, what did they do with the Holy Spirit they had received? According to Acts chapter 3, we see two men, Peter and John, on their way to a prayer meeting at their church. As they pass by a gate, there's a lame beggar that started to cry out, Give me some money, give me some money. The men immediately recognized his need and noticed that he could not walk. And they recognized that money would only last for a day, but healing would be a greater blessing to this man because healing would last for a lifetime. These men did not carry the lame man to the church so that the pastor and the saints could get the anointing oil and anoint a prayer cloth and pray over them. Right there on the street. Are y'all with me? They laid hands on that man, prayed over him, and immediately the Bible said that Jesus healed him. He began to do something that nobody had ever seen. What a tremendous witness. After they prayed in the street, then, somebody else say then, it is only after, then the man joined them by going to the church and the prayer meeting. It was at the church people, they are worshiping God for the result of His goodness and the healing power. The man also comes to the church and the Bible says these words, he was worshiping and praising God. A matter of fact, one version said it this way, he came into the synagogue and he was leaping and shouting and praising God. And some of the people People started joining in, but it started on the <laughs> on the street. The two men got into trouble for being used by God in the healing of the man. They're arrested, they're abused, they're threatened. Don't preach about Jesus anymore. When they're released, they said this prayer. Acts 4. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. They just got beat. They're going to preach again. Verse 30. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And started preaching the word of God with boldness. Where would these great things be accomplished? Where would the answer of their prayer come? Would it be on a Sunday morning service? Would it be a midweek service? I mean, where would it happen at? Acts chapter 5 verse 12. The apostles were performing many miracles, signs and wonders among the people. And look at, here we go. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. So they had a meeting place. They had a gathering place. But verse 15 says something different. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and on mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across them as they went by and God healed them right there. As you read through this book of Acts, you'll find that the gospel was preached in more houses than it was preached in the churches. Acts 8, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial, made great laments for him. But as, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered, where did they go? They went everywhere, preaching 
the word. More evangelism would get done. More churches would be established. You can read it in Acts. If, you, if we would simply do more ourselves for taking the gospel everywhere, look at what would happen to Gap Hill Church of the Living God. Listen, Philip was commanded by an angel. Acts 8.26 He said, Arise and go. Where am I going, Lord? He got up, he started walking, a chariot picks him up, a fire takes him off a chariot, and then all of a sudden he finds himself in the middle of a desert. As he obeys, he finds this man that is an Ethiopian. He is riding in a taxi. Well, I'll call it a chariot, I guess, in the Bible, but it's like a taxi. It's a point of transportation. And so he's in his little chariot. He's reading a scroll of the Bible. Philip got up into the chariot or the taxi, and as it moved along the street... He began to preach Jesus to the man. They stopped the chariot or the taxi. He baptized the man in a water puddle in the name of Jesus. Uh, today, do you know I looked this up yesterday. Today we still have an outstanding revival in the country of Ethiopia. It is perhaps the seed that the, the man of God, Philip, planted. Do you know the largest religion today in Ethiopia is Christianity and it dates all the way back to Philip on the street with the confused Ethiopian man wow what a seed can do in Acts chapter 9 we see the conversion of Saul the killer of the church his name changed to Paul he's on the road on the street called straight on the road to Damascus struck with a great light confronted by the light of the world he was left blind for three days Jesus did not preach the gospel to Saul the angels did not come down and preach the gospel to Saul this is a duty that has been given to those that have come to Jesus Christ and been spirit filled the Bible said so the Lord spoke to a man by the name of Ananias who was filled with the Spirit. He called him a certain disciple. And he told him, Arise, Ananias, and go into the street. That is called straight. And he did just that. He finds Paul, prays for him. He gets healed. He baptizes him in water. God baptizes him in the Holy Ghost. And the rest is history. Fourteen books later of the New Testament are written. All because somebody went to the... My God, oh my. in Acts chapter 16, Peter's preaching a ladies' prayer meeting. This meeting was, or Paul was preaching rather a ladies' prayer meeting. This meeting was not held inside the church by, by the city. It is by the riverside. It is literally outside. As a result of Paul's ministry, there's a, a lady named Lydia. You remember her in the Bible and her household who were saved and baptized. My God, I was reading it about in Chile. In some of their churches, they have what they call street meetings as a form of evangelism or evangelizing other people. So what they do, if you were to come today and you were to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you knelt down at this altar, we prayed for you, God saved you. I would say, all right, uh, Thursday we're going to be having our street meeting and Brian, we're going to take you to the street and we're going to have a microphone on the back of a trailer and you're going to share your testimony with the town. That's what they do in Chile. Can you imagine if we did that? Anybody want to sign up? Anybody want to sign up? See, I got a friend named Kenny. And I've been street preaching with Kenny a few times. Now, I'll just go ahead and be honest with you. Uh, I'm comfortable in Four Walls ministry. I'm comfortable in church. But it's a little more uncomfortable when you grab a microphone and start preaching in the middle of a street. But Kenny had a truck, 
<laughs> I love this soul. And he had a big old amp. He would turn that thing wide open. He'd grab a mic with a cord on it, stand on the back of that truck. And Miss Phyllis, he would literally preach his head off. And I ain't talking about, all right, today we've come to you. I mean, I'm talking Kenny screaming, hollering, sweating, just like I'm doing today. Right in the middle of the street. But do you know that with him, I saw people on the street that came to Jesus Christ and gave their heart. It, it was amazing to me. It was amazing to me. There is so much power in what we can do in the streets. People can argue with words, but no one can argue with the testimony of a converted and changed life. A person's actions are evidence that they have truly encountered Jesus Christ. So once people are converted on the streets, they're brought to the church. They feed on the Word of God. They continue to grow. And then in turn, they go out and they disciple more and they win more people and they come to church. And then the crowd is literally so big that we cannot it's a pretty simple formula that worked then and it will work now if somebody would grab the message of one word and that is go don't that sound simple enough doesn't it sound simple enough but are we satisfied where we are are we satisfied with the group that we have? Are we satisfied with our church? Or have we got a my four and no more mentality? If we do, may God wake us up in the middle of the night with tears rolling down our face because somebody's dying and going to hell. Shake us up, God. Shake us up, God. I got to get out of this four walls religion. God is trying to reach somebody that is not inside of this church. And if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, then I'm the person to go do the job. I'm In closing, I'm going to leave you with this, and I'm going to leave you alone. There's a man that prepared a great banquet. He invites many people to attend. Uh, kind of like a pastor on a day that, you know, some people don't show up that said they were coming. Several of the invites that he sent out, they don't come. They said they were, RSVP, but they don't come. So when the servant reports it to the man that's over the banquet, he angrily told him, Luke 14, 28. I want you to see this. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was so furious. And this is what he said. He said, you go. Did you get it? <laughs> go quickly. I think we as a church that believe in the second coming of Christ need to get those two words right there. Because if anybody should understand the phrase, we better go quickly, we should understand it. If we believe that Jesus Christ in our testimony, oh, the Lord's going to split that sky anytime. We short on that like it. Because wouldn't you agree with me that if I truly believe that, that I'd have a passion to win as many people before He comes back? Go quickly into the streets, the alleys of the town, and you invite, I love this, invite the poor people. Get them homeless. Get those that are crippled. Get those that are blind. Get those that are lame that normally wouldn't be invited to a meal like this tonight. When the servant returned, he brings those people. There was still room for more. He was then requested, Luke 14, 23. So his master said, go out into the country lanes behind the uh, the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. Please, please, please something. I'm please, please hear my heart today, folks. 
There is a hunger world out there that is waiting for you and me to take it to the streets and compel them to come so that God's house may be filled. Man, I'll never, um, you know, I won't tell the story. I've told it before, so I won't. But you, you remember, I, I told you about a little homeless guy that my, my daughter and my son that we fed that time from, from Wendy's that was homeless. I, th- I thought, I talked the other Wednesday, uh, it may have been an angel, unaware. I don't even know. I've never seen him since. But the feeling that was overwhelming when we gave him that and blessed him in Jesus' name. I wrote some words down because I wanted to remember because my memory's bad, all right? Sometimes I get at lunchtime and ask Pastor B. You know, do you want to go to lunch? And I'm like, what did I eat for breakfast? Did I even eat breakfast? I know I had coffee. <laughs> Several cups of coffee, but did I eat breakfast? I, I, my memory's horrible. So I wrote it down. Because I said something to my kids that day. They may or may not remember it. But I said these words. I quote, I don't care what people say or how much they claim to be a Christian. If they refuse to help people that are in need, then they aren't a real Christian at all. Period. What a true statement. If you are a Christian, and you see a hurting, lost, and dying world, then the great commission of Jesus Christ should literally consume us. The passion to see people saved, it should consume us. It should be our every waking day when we get up. If God saved you from a place called hell, then my God, don't you think we ought to tell somebody else that's on their way to hell that there's a Savior that can change their life? See, we could keep coming to church, and we are, because we're church famous. We're churchy. We're religious. We got four walls of religion. So we're going to keep coming to church, all right? Because our crowd's coming. I like one lady told me one time, said, I was here when you got here and I'll be here when you're gone. I love that. I love it. There's people, they're going to come to their church, all right? Thank God for them. But today I need you to get outside of your little box. And I need you to say, you know what? It's not about me. It's about them. And I want you to understand that if this church is going to be successful, and if this church is going to go to a place that it's never went before, the only way that that is going to happen is when men and women in this congregation decide that it is not about a four walls religion. We are taking it to the streets. That's why when you see me in Walmart, I'm a witness for Jesus Christ if I get an opportunity. If I'm in a parking lot and somebody needs prayer, God, let me be the man that will lay hands Right there on them. Let me be that man. Oh God. Let's all stand. I promise you I'm closing. God Almighty. Arvind da Silva is a a prophetic preacher from India. He talked like this. Brother Jimmy, the Lord said. So you're like trying to listen. Arvin was preaching for me one day. He's, he's an amazing man. Powerful. Full, full of the Holy Ghost. He's one of those type of preachers. He'd be like, he can read your mail. I mean, he just can. I'm just telling you he can. And he's done mine more than once. 
listen, I'm walking in Walmart parking lot. I'll never forget this. And, and Arvin, I take him to Walmart. He's got to buy something. He asked, do you want me to drive? No, no, I drive. Can you understand the words coming out of my mouth? Anyhow, I'm going to do the driving. So Arvin gets in the car. And we're driving down the road. He's talking. We're having fun. We go to Walmart. He buys whatever he has to buy. We're on the way to the car. We're having our normal conversation. I keep walking. I'm still talking like I do. But Arvin is nowhere to be found. And so I'm like, where did Arvin go? I look to my left, can't find him. I look around, I'm like, well, he's way back here, almost at the start of the store. I'm halfway down the parking lot. And I see him, and he's laying hands on a man, prophesying over him. God. This is what God has called you to do. And so I just stand there and I wait. I say, Brother Arvin, what are you doing? He said, the Lord told me I had to speak a word over his life. And I was just telling him. My God. You are the church of Jesus Christ. And if all we can produce is what is inside these four walls. What a shame. If all that we can produce is our production on Sunday morning. Then God forgive us. If all that we can do is practice early so that everybody hears a good song. And I can get a fancy sermon and try to make you happy. God forgive me. That is not my call. That is not your call as a Christian and a child of God. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just say it. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to say it around there. There are people that are marching and they are tearing down streets right now as I pray. Portland, Oregon is an absolute disaster. It looks like a war zone. What they have decided, whether you believe in their cause or whether you don't, what they bound together and decided, we are taking it to the... I heard one person today said, violence is necessary because they won't listen to us in Washington. So we've taken it to the streets. And I hear what he's saying. Because I understand what he's trying to say. I hear his heart. And that what they do is wrong. I can hear something behind the passion in the voice. Even though it's wrong. And they should do it in a different way. But I hear the passion. And I want to God as a Christian. That we can get the same way. And say my God. People may not listen to our Facebook live. They may not come in and hear a sermon. We're going to take it to where they are. I, I got to close. You got your mic. God. Lord, today, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, from the top of the head of every individual in this building to the sole of their feet, let a fire called the fire of the Holy Ghost consume us. Consume us to where we get to a place that coming to church is not good enough. Change our mentality. Change the way we think. Help us understand that just coming to church isn't saving the world. It may help us get to heaven. It may be good for our fellowship. We may enjoy seeing our friends and family and, and saying hey and every now and then lift a hand and worship God. But that ain't helping the world. All that's doing is helping us.
consume me. Consume us with this very thought. Go. 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 When you're in Walmart, go. When you're on your job, go. When you're walking down the highway, go. My God, wherever you are, go. And preach the gospel to everybody. Every time we get a chance. And the door is open. Don't let us shy away. Let us try to win somebody to your church. Oh God, sing, sing, Brian, sing. I gotta hurt.